Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. Hello again from Highways Voices, and before I head off on my travels to Hamburg for next week's ITS World Congress daily specials, one more industry leader from the UK to chat to today as we talk about the black stuff. The technologies in, in terms of how we lay it, the, the, the automation of the, of the machinery, the health and safety aspects of it, the approach to you know, sustainability, things like warm, warm asphalt. You know, lower temperature asphalts, which mean they lose less fuel to heat them up, which brings the whole carbon footprint down. The president of the Institute of Asphalt Technology is my guest today. And I can't quite believe I'm about to say this. Make sure it's the bit you mean to listen to on Highways Voices. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Yeah, sorry about that, but I hope you understand. This is Paul Hutton sitting, frankly, a bit befuddled today as I plot my way through conflicting websites' advice to plot my paperwork journey from home to the airport to the plane to the hotel ahead of next week's ITS World Congress. As someone whose carbon footprint flight-wise isn't particularly good because of a vast number of flights I've taken in my professional life over the last 15 years, I have to admit the admin for this one is a bit challenging. So if you're facing the same confusions, you've got a brother in me today, I can promise you. Anyway, I'll get to Hamburg and bring you the podcast next week, thanks to Swarco and Gevi, our sponsors. And my interview list is looking pretty impressive already. But today, Brian Downs is on his way, chatting the most important ingredient of roads on today's Highways Voices. But first, let's hear from our co-owner and knower of all things transport. It's Adrian Tatum with his view on this week's news. Hi Adrian. Well Paul, this week the Irish government has said it will honour its commitment to a two to one spending ratio on public transport and roads as part of its national development plan. Michael McGrath, its Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, said public transport needed transformational change in Ireland, which he said was provided for in the government's revised plan. He also said it's the largest public capital investment programme in the history of the state in transport and housing. The 10-year plan has an overall budget of 165 billion euros, with 35 billion euros to be spent on roads and transport by the end of the decade. Also this week, decarbonising transport, including rail services, offers a significant opportunity to contribute to reducing the threat of climate change, according to First Minister in Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon. Speaking at the launch of the new £125 million Glasgow Queen Street station, the First Minister applauded the substantial investment of over £9 billion in rail infrastructure since 2007. That has seen over 75% of all rail passenger journeys in Scotland electric. Elsewhere, a total of 125 gritting vehicles will be delivered to national highways this year, helping keep traffic moving this winter. The new vehicles are part of a two-year rollout of state-of-the-art critters across the country, with a further 132 more to come for winter 2022-2023. And finally from me, Transport for London has asked the Treasury for a further half a billion pounds worth of support for the rest of the financial year and for another £1.2 billion next year to ensure London's recovery from the pandemic. Thank you, Adrian. See you later for your accolade. Now on my list of stories this week, Unoptic Average Speed Cameras are live in Wales. 
That's not anything out of the ordinary you might think, but these cameras are installed primarily to support the environment rather than road safety. Unoptic have also got some great figures showing that their system that they installed with Swaco on the Orwell Bridge in Suffolk really does work in keeping that major route open. Talking of Swaco, they've bought Dinic Mobility. Read all about the background in an exclusive article on Highways News, where you can also read about Korean company Notas inclusion in the NVIDIA success story, SRL's new partnership promoting roadwork efficiency, and a Swiss company releasing the world's fastest EV charger, which can fully charge an electric car in 15 minutes. You can read about all those and so much more on our website, and remember to sign up to our daily briefing to come into your inbox at midday every day, highways-news.com slash subscribe. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Now, the Institute of Asphalt Technology is the professional body for everybody working in the field of asphalt technology and for those interested in all aspects of the manufacture, placing technology and uses of materials containing asphalt asphalt or bitumen. Now back in the spring Brian Downs became the new president and six months on he's given me an interview to Highways Voices and I started by asking him about his own background. Well I joined the Institute of Asphalt Technology in 1986 and spent an awful long time on that going to branch meetings and various other functions and in 2010 I was approached to join the National Council as the chair of the education committee. I really wanted to put something back into an industry that's given me an awful lot. So it seemed the ideal position for me on the council. I held that position of chair for nine years, during which time we introduced a diploma in asphalt technology with the University of Derby. We, we, we expanded it from a diploma to a foundation degree. We set off the trail for a road surfacing apprenticeship. We introduced a Pavement Engineers Certificate with the Highways England, or now National Highways. And it, we've now got a learning curve that you can come on at the, the lowest level and work your way through up to potentially um, MSc or MPhil. I finished as the Chair of the Education Committee because I was then Vice President and I couldn't do two roles. It's a rolling position, so you become Vice President for two years and then you become President for two years. So that's how I, I came into into this role. And you took over in March, and from what I can gather, most of the work you've done so far has been kind of inward-looking on administration of the Institute rather than outward-looking to the wider industry? I think historically, I mean, the, the Institute was founded in 1966, and I think we've always focused very much on our members. It's a non-for-profit members organisation. It's seen as a very niche organisation because of the title, Ashrock Technology, and yet there are an awful lot of people out there who would benefit from being in the membership of the Institute, and they perhaps don't understand exactly what we're doing. So trying to shift that, that emphasis away from everything being internal to, to what else can we be doing to support the industry. Part of that, we won't do all by ourselves. So we've really started to look at how we can work together and collaborate with other organisations of a similar agenda to ourselves. We've introduced two memoranda of understanding with similar organisations and we're currently seeking to work with at least one other organisation very closely in the near future. And when you said people don't know what you do, what do you do then? We're not a training organisation, but we are there for the education and, and the 
continuous development of our professional development, of our membership, and for the institute uh, and for the industry. We manage several courses with strategic partners. So the foundation degree that I mentioned earlier on, we, we do with the University of Derby. That's a level five qualification. We have a higher national apprenticeship. The road servicing operative uh, apprenticeship uh, that we're, we're in the process of kicking off this, this month, actually. We do with Telford College and with a practical application with Virgen, the, the plant opera, uh, machine manufacturers. We also run what I call lunch and learn webinars. We have nine branches around the country, uh, regional branches. And prior to the pandemic, you could go along to a technical evening and they would put on a CPD presentation. You'd get the chance to discuss, debate with, with your peer group and, and do some networking to, to sort of understand what best practice is. But when the pandemic came along, that, that sort of stopped as, ne- as, as necessary. So we introduced the Lunch and Learn webinars. And we hold probably about eight or nine of those a year. They're all run by um, subject matter experts who are generally at least nationally recognised, sometimes internationally. So that enables our members and also some non-members to, to log on, spend an hour there. There's a Q&A at the end of it. And, and they fulfil their, their CPD. So that's what we're there for, is to, make, is to manage that on behalf of our, our members. You said you're not all about education and training, and you've just kind of rattled off a lot about education and training and CPD. Is there anything else that you're doing beyond that? I'd like to at some point be recognised as the, as the go-to organisation for people with queries about asphalt technology um, and asphalt generally. So, for instance... If uh, there was a question to be brought up about a change of new practice within the industry, they would automatically come to the Institute. Generally they don't because they, I think they think we're too specialised. So this whole um, educating the rest of the industry into what we, what we can do is about trying to broaden our approach to how we deal with things. There are a lot of things we've got to put in place, Paul, before we get to that point though. And this is the beginning of the journey really, so... Yes, that's where we're sort of aiming to go. Brian, we're sitting here in the Institute of Directors in central London and just being a member of the IOD gives kudos. People can actually put letters after their name. There's something to just being part of this club. What's the kudos of being a member of the IAT? The kudos is basically that um, you can be recognised as um, somebody who is um, fully up to speed with everything that's going on in the industry, that we are focused on the way that the future of the industry is being operated and maintained and, and, and managed. We've introduced some years ago an ability for our members to come in and with an alliance with the Engineering Council, uh, enable them to come chartered. People actually re- see the, the membership of the Institute of Asphalt Technology as being a sought-after institute. You want to go along and, and learn, you want to be there because you're recognised, and, and that's really where we need to be, is to raise that profile um, for the benefit of our members and, and industry in general, to be fair. See, it's interesting you use the word niche, and of course, yes, in one way it's niche, but actually when you step back, you know, looking out of the window here onto Pall Mall, you, you kind of 
the main ingredient of roads? We are the single biggest ingredient to roads and you know we have other agendas that we need to tackle um, along those lines as well so we have not least how we can attract and retain new people into the industry and particularly young people. We've got the whole carbon agenda that we need to address, you know, decarbonisation, zero carbon um, targets. And we have we can influence those. You know, part of the reason for um, the education side is, is we can focus our, our learning materials on, on new and, and um, innovative, sustainable practices and specifications. Last year, we completely rewrote the whole of the foundation degree uh, learning materials just so that we were up to date with the sustainability methodologies and, and practices that are now going on in, in, in the marketplace. The You, you say about the, the highways and, and asphalt's a, bigger, a, a big part of it, but also we do a really good job because most of what you put down on the roads eventually gets taken up and reused again back in the roads. So we're probably one of the single biggest recycling industries in the UK. So we've got that the reason for putting in place the road surfacing operative uh, apprenticeship and also we've got a, a, an NVQ in place for, for laboratory technicians is that we can attract younger people in there and they can get into an industry where there's a, there's a lifetime learning experience there where they can go on and off that ladder, that learning ladder at any point if, due to personal circumstances or, or um, you know, at that time they just can't have, haven't got the time to do things and they can go back on so it's a fairly flexible program that we've put in place and that's to try to attract younger people into the industry and, and bring people in there to, and realise that they, they have got a long-term future within the industry and it's not just something they come in to do for a few years and then go off again. A lot of what I write and talk about is the technology that actually sits on the roadside or in the vehicle or an analysis of the data that comes out of all of this so to me a road's a road is a road but there's the t in iat is technology what has changed in asphalt technology since the institute was set up in 66 a lot of it is very very much the same in truth but there's a lot of things that have changed as well so the technologies in, in terms of how we lay it, the, the, the automation of the, of the machinery, the health and safety aspects of it, where people have to be fully qualified now to, to be able to do certain tasks, whereas before they were sort of brought in and just let trained a little bit and then got on with it. The approach to you know, sustainability, things like warm, warm asphalt, you know, lower temperature asphalts, which mean they need less fuel to heat them up, which brings the whole carbon footprint down we've come from what was originally known as hot rolled asphalt and and some bitumen macadam to thin paving so we're using less resource in those so there's a big big change in 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 some of it but the fundamental things where the component parts really haven't changed that much over the years so 55 years i think there's been quite a lot there actually brian that you were talking about so where do you now see the next six months of your presidency going because the thing, problem is you know i know you had two years as vice president start to get to grips with the issues but two years ain't a long time to uh, to actually be able to do probably all the things that you actually want to achieve no and, and i'll be honest with you paul i i don't think i'm going to achieve them all in the two years either but what what we're doing at the moment um so we've put in place uh, a review of our communication strategy so that will give us a good bedrock of where we're going in the future. 
because most of the people on the council are volunteers, it's very difficult in this day and age to, to maintain the momentum of all these initiatives that we're undertaking. We're in the process of changing the council around, so we've actually got somebody now who is a dedicated person who will be supporting these initiatives to make sure we maintain the momentum. And it won't just be reliant then on, on me when I go. There'll be a continuity of, of these actions. I think the other things that we, we are trying to do, as I said, we are trying to build close relationships with other organisations. And now we've got a memorandum of understanding with the Institute of Quarian. It's mainly through our educational offering with the University of Derby because they've got their foundation degree there as well. But because of that, we're now laying on a, a week's lunch and learn sustainability-themed webinars where we've got key speakers, two, two webinars a day for a week, all around the, the theme of sustainability. That's never happened before, and that will be an annual event. We, we did one last year, a trial on health and safety, which went very well, but we need now to sort of keep raising the bar on it. So, yes, you're right, I won't do it all. You know, we've got to have a plan of how we're going to succeed and, and that's what we're trying to put in place now. You talk about <coughs> members, how does that work? Um, is it like, I do a lot of work with ITS UK and that's where the organisation is the member and if your employer is a member of ITS UK you're automatically an, a member but then there are other organisations like the IHE that's done individually. How does IAT do it? Generally what happens is the major employers in the industry uh, will pay for one institute for their employees to be members of. So that, that means that um, somebody who's in the asphalt industry probably has about two or three choices of where they could, which institutes they want to go into. We don't have, at this moment in time, anything like the corporate membership, although as part of our strategy going forward, we are looking at whether that's something we would want to consider just thinking, Brian, about the fact that you've got this specialism within the Institute, which isn't niche, but in a way, you know, you have expertise that no other organisation will probably have in that depth. Does that lead into you maybe leading on industry standards? We do have representation on, on several industry standard committees, and we put input into those quite quite a lot. We have our own technical committee who review technical papers which we publish internally and we have been able to put those out into the industry as well. So those are the articles that we put into our internal publications generally and the ones that we talk about uh, when we do the webinars. So there's a lot of things going on in terms of how we maintain that, that integrity of the information that we put out there so we don't just put any information out there we make sure that it's, it's been it's robust and it's been scrutinized before we release it on our behalf but yes we're involved in in technical committees as well you know, with british standards etc brian i think that you get the award for being the first face-to-face -face interview on highways voices because since we started these in the spring we've been doing them on zoom uh because there is a sense that here we are sitting face-to-face -face chatting uh that normality is returning i'm off to try out a big event next week in hamburg at the its world congress and i understand you've got your own face-to-face -face national event next week as well yeah, we've got our first national event on the 14th of October in Aston University in Birmingham. 
we're looking forward to the challenges and of the industry. So there'll be something on the recruitment and retaining of, of people through the apprenticeships, etc. We've got uh, the major client there, the uh, National Highways, talking about specifications and the green agenda. We've got the CEO of one of the major plant suppliers and manufacturers in the UK talking about the technology and the changes in, in innovation on, on the laying and paving materials. And finally, we'll have something there on materials development and research for the future by one of the professors from Aston University. So that's going to be followed by a dinner in the evening where people can get a chance to discuss and debate you know, the issues of the day. And if you want to go to the event Brian's just talked about at Aston University, you can sort yourself out a plate by emailing russell.hunter at instituteofasphalt.org. That's russell.hunter at instituteofasphalt.org. And I'll put that address in the blurb that goes with this Highways Voices. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. We're almost out of time. Those travel forms won't fill themselves in you know but beforehand we've always got time for adrian's accolade where adrian tatum tips his hat to somebody doing something great in the industry okay adrian who are you tipping your hat to this week and my accolade this week goes to the volker highways team operating in the royal borough of windsor and maidenhead they got awarded a certificate of excellence from the considerate contractor scheme for its work on the borough's highway management and maintenance contract the audit which took place in august saw the contract awarded an impressive nine out of nine points in each of the scheme's five categories, which were appearance, community, environment, safety and workforce. So well done then. So that's Adrian's accolade. Winner this week. And that's it from Highways Voices. I'll join you for some Hamburg Voices every day next week. Even if you're not at the event or even if technology isn't really your bag, there'll still be loads to learn and loads of people to hear from. So the podcasts are only 15 minutes and are the perfect accompaniment to a commute or a dog walk. And if you're in Hamburg, do listen for your trusted guide to the event and do try and come over and say hello that's all thanks to Gevi and Swarko so I'll talk to you every day next week Highways Voices join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry 